Welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child using the method of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Mackey Lozano. Today, Anita Vincent joins me on the podcast. Anita recently wrote an article in the 2022 CGS Journal. It's called The Spiritual Preparation of the Adult. And so she is joining me to speak about how the adult needs to be not only mentally ready to be with children and to encounter that mystery of who is God and who is the child, but they also need to be spiritually ready to encounter God in the child in the atrium. And how this is spoken about by Maria and Gianna and Sophia, that we as adults need to contemplate who we are in relationship to God as well as the child. And Anita lifts up those capital sins of pride and anger that the adult must give up in order to be spiritually ready. I hope you enjoy. Anita, welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. Hi, Carrie. It's good to be with you. It's good to have you with us. Could you tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got involved in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd? Sure. I had a two-and-a-half-year-old who walked around the house with a broom singing, holy, holy, holy. (laughs) At which point, um, having read some of the primary Montessori literature, I recognized that I was ill-equipped or completely unequipped, really, um, to respond to what he was showing me he needed. I could not even articulate the need that he was showing me. So I went to our uh, associate pastor at that time and um, I described this to him and he said, wait right here, I will be right back. And he came back with a copy of the religious potential of the child. And then in two weeks, I went back to him and I said, can we start this in our parish? And he replied, yes, we are in the fall. And here is the person you can talk with about it. And... (laughs) Um, that's how I got started. And when was this? This was in 2004. All right. So almost 20 years. Almost. Yes. Have you been formed in Montessori as well? Yes. Um, I am a certified Montessori teacher as well. So much of my experience has been in the Montessori environment. Mm -hmm. Um, so I taught in a Montessori school. Well, I did catechesis of the Good Shepherd in a Montessori school. Mm. I always love to hear about when people have atria in Montessori schools because it's almost like that completion of what Maria Montessori envisioned for the children of body, mind, and soul. Yeah. Uh, And now that I'm in a parish, it is an interesting distinction. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure. When you did it in a school, did the children come into the atrium more than once a week? If they wanted to, yes. Mm. The atrium was right across the hallway from the classrooms. Um, And if a child, as long as I was there, now I was Mm -hmm. all the time, but if I was there and a child wanted to be in the atrium, they could be. Oh, that's neat. That's neat. I would love to sit and observe in an atrium in in a Montessori facility. That would be really neat. So 
Today, I'm really excited about this topic. You blessed us with a really beautiful article in the most recent, the 2022 journal that just came out. And I love this article. Anita, you you did such a beautiful job with it. And I would just love to dive into it with you if that's okay. Sure. So you spoke about the spiritual preparation of the adult. This is, I love this topic because... I feel like it's not spoken about very much. And um, like what you said at the very end of the article about how, let's see, I'll just read your beautiful words. You said, Montessori explains that when the adult is not as well prepared as she should be, the children will demonstrate disorderly behavior. In other words, Montessori places the onus squarely on the shoulders of the adults. I love this because it emphasizes so beautifully that us, the adults, also need to be spiritually prepared to enter into the atrium. And when we are not, um, this is that that might be the reason why we do not see in the atrium what we why why we might see disorder in the atrium or a children not being normalized in the atrium. It first right. starts with us as the adults, and I I love that. I don't think that we speak about that enough. Right, right, and you know it is interesting. Um, in the Montessori journey, mm-hmm. she had recognized this fairly early on. When we talk about all of the other insights and the, um, you know, the things that Montessori has given to us, uh, cosmic education comes towards the later part of her life, whereas mm-hmm. the spiritual preparation of the adult comes very early on in her understanding of how this pedagogy must be implemented. So she speaks about that very emphatically. And there are people, and and I, I quote this here on page 23 in the journal, there are people who ask her, but But, you know, how can you succeed if you're asking us to renounce all of our natural, you know, desires and drives? This is what we want to do, right? Mm -hmm. We are naturally inclined to uh, share everything that brings us joy. We want to give to the child everything that we know, right? right? There is that enthusiasm in us as educators, as catechists. Oh, I have experienced this joy of God, and I want to give that to you. Except that's not for me to give. It is for God to give to the mm-hmm. child and the child to receive. Mm-hmm. Now, Montessori was mostly speaking about this um, in terms of academic education, right? What we would call just the three R's, if you will. Right, right. But she was also, she termed it the spiritual preparation. This is a phrase that comes from Maria Montessori herself. And she particularly names anger and pride as something Mm -hmm. that the adult, the guide, the directress must give up must Mm -hmm. change. And in Catholic tradition, anger and pride are two of the cardinal sins. Mm -hmm. So it is very interesting. That intersection, that overlap is very, very interesting to me that uh, she recognizes that and emphasizes that in all of her teacher training courses. 
mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as something that the teacher must do, not just intellectual preparation, but also spiritual preparation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that quote from Listening to God with Children that you included in your article. That is one of my favorites. I know I think I've quoted it before, but Gianna says, that the adult's work with the child be preceded by an examination of conscience, acknowledging the two capital sins of pride and anger. Right. The pride arises from the overvaluating our part in forming the child. The anger is kindled when the child whom we consider in some way to be our possession, doesn't respond as we expected. Right. Oh, that is, I love that quote because it's so true. I really feel like that as an adult in the atrium that I definitely have those two cardinal sins very often. I, the children are not responding the way I expected. Or I feel that, like you said before, I have all this beautiful encounter with God that I have had and I want to gift it as well to the people around me. But like you said, it's not ours to give. It is our job to create the space for the child to have their own encounter with God. Right, right. Hmm. Um, And so Montessori talks about the teacher and, you know, Jana and Sophia extended that to the qualities of a catechist. Mm -hmm. But even beyond that, for us as parents... Right. And Montessori talks about this in The Child in the Church. If parents really knew who they were looking at, Mm. they would tremble in front of this child. Mm -hmm. Those were her words. Um, And we often don't recognize that because we are told, well, the child needs to be controlled. You know, Mm -hmm. we give these labels to the children that they're in their terrible twos. They are in you know um, right right uh, but is it really terrible or is the child just being the child Mm -hmm. the terrible is the adult's assessment of that judgment of that right and and that's really not fair to the child because once we label the child as being terrible the way we then respond or react or interact with this child is very different Right. Right. That is so true. Uh, Because how we speak, the language we use, influences how we then act in any situation. Mm. And so when Montessori talks about how we have to prepare ourselves, she is really talking about contemplation of who we are in relationship to God. And then how we take that relationship into our interactions with the child or anyone else around us. Mm -hmm. As we prepare ourselves intellectually, because that intellectual uh, preparation is important. We cannot simply let that go. We do prepare intellectually, but we also then remember that we have to prepare ourselves. Just because we're prepared intellectually doesn't mean we know everything and now we are ready to quote unquote teach the child. Montessori is very clear, Sophia and John are very clear that we are accompanying the child. We journey with the child. That takes great humility. It is very, very 
for me inspiring to read how Sophia and Joanna have conducted themselves throughout this work and how Sophia, even at the end of her life, she says, well, this is not me. The children gave it to me. It has been a gift. Mm -hmm. Their depth of faith made them both very deep listeners with great humility and patience. They listened to the child. They listened to those around them. That is how they prepared themselves to be with the child uh, and to be that instrument of God's grace and God's love uh, for the child. Mm -hmm. So the other part that is really, really striking to me as someone who works in social justice is that Montessori talks about the spiritual preparation as not just relinquishing control and giving up anger and pride, but doing that is really justice. You know, it's not simply a personal achievement to become more virtuous, but it is actually justice in that only in developing that humility and patience and uh, self-restraint, can we give the child the due respect and recognize the dignity of the child mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. allow the child to blossom into everything that the child can be? Mm -hmm. And to me, that connects to every interaction that we have as catechists, as those who are involved in ministry to bring God's love and God's grace to everyone that we interact with, mm -hmm. the child as the embodiment of God's grace teaches us to be intentional in upholding the dignity of every human person. Mm. And again, here, the influence of language. You know, everything that we say makes a difference in how the child responds and how we then respond to the child and uh, those around us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, going back to relinquishing control, a couple of weeks ago, so I am director of religious education here in this parish. And somebody asked me, well, if you allow these parents to homeschool, even during sacramental prep, do you actually test the children to make sure that they know everything before you allow them to receive the sacraments? My response was, well, how do you test a relationship? Mm -hmm. You can test them on the prayers, but is knowing the prayers synonymous with having a deep relationship with God. And so, you know, we are often tempted to, quote unquote, test the child, even in the atrium, right? Right. But then Montessori says, no, no, that, that's not for us to do. Sophia says, we have to give that up. She calls, we are, the catechist is the matchmaker, right? We bring the child to God or God to the child, and then we get out of the way. Mm -hmm. Much like, you know, how we get out of our own way 
Two, in the spiritual preparation of the adult, we have to allow God and God's grace to really do the work. Father Richard Rohr talks about this. The paradox, he says, is that we recognize our character flaws, and yet we don't do anything about it. God does. Right, and that's the paradox of letting go and letting God. Mm -hmm. We have to be entirely ready to let God do the job. Mm -hmm. And giving up control actually allows us to receive the gift of a new kind of control, right? The control of being able to restrain ourselves when we see the child maybe use the materials in a way that we don't think the child should. Mm -hmm. Because as adults, we have learned, right, the good shepherd, all of the sheep go in the good shepherd material. And, you know, the kingdom of God figures go in the kingdom of God uh, shelf. Mm -hmm. um, so the once I had this five-year-old who took a few sheep into the diorama, the the merchant's house. Mm -hmm. uh, my first impulse was to say, oh, no, 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 the sheep don't belong there. You have to take the sheep back to the Good Shepherd table. And thank God for once I actually listened to the promptings <laughs> of the spirit within me and stopped myself, right? And I just watched to see what he would do. And, you know, a little bit afterward, the child restored all of the material where it belonged and and went about you know picking a different work and and then i i called him and i said nick tell me a little bit more about what you did why did you bring the sheep to the merchant's house and he said oh because the sheep are also looking for the precious pearl oh wow and they wanted to share in the joy when the merchant found it oh and so I said, hmm, I wonder who these sheep are that are looking for the precious pearl. And at five, of course, he he had come to the recognition that we are the sheep. And he said, oh, it's me and Emily. We are looking for the sheep. Uh, uh, the, I'm sorry, the, the precious pearl. Um, I said, okay. And uh, what would you and Emily do when you find that precious pearl? And his response was celebrate. We will celebrate just like the merchant celebrates. Now, of course, that is not part of the scripture verse, you know, right. that the merchant celebrates. And yet that is something that the child had come to by himself. Mm. And I saw the very beginnings, the incipient blank page mm -hmm. right there. And to me, that was just a beautiful moment if I had stopped him. I would never have had the joy of hearing that. However, <laughs> when the child does use, there are times when the children use the materials in very inappropriate ways. I've had St. Joseph flying like Superman across the atrium, <laughs> um, at which point I've had to be very firm in redirection, right? So it is, it is a discernment that we have to engage in moment by moment. Mm-hmm. And just as we are gentle with a child, we have to be gentle with ourselves too, hmm. right? That there are times we make 
we make mistakes. I have stopped a child many times when I, in retrospect, have thought, oh, I probably shouldn't have. Hmm. I have said things that, again, in retrospect, I, I regret. So to be gentle with ourselves and to, and to continue to work on ourselves, you know, and this is where I think Montessori's analogy of the gymnasium for the soul mm, works really well. Unless we actually work out every day, you know, <laughs> we we will not attain the the kind of virtue that that really Montessori is calling us to, that God calls us to. Mm-hmm. Once I said to you know, when when this particular verse be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, uh, came up in the liturgy and our pastor, uh, you know, had just preached on it. And at the end of mass, I said to him, yeah, that, that is something I really strive for to be perfect as God, uh, is perfect. You know, in the old Testament, it is be holy because I, your God, am holy. Right. Um, and he said to me, mm-hmm. oh, that is very prideful of you. And I had to tell him, no, Father, I do not believe that I can do this by myself. I believe that I can do this, though, with God's grace in contemplative prayer every day. And so it is an everyday practice, every time that we are in the atrium, to, to tell ourselves that we are here with the Holy Spirit. I love, though, what you were saying about practicing the virtues and how they must be practiced in order to be mastered. And I love that because it makes me think about what you were saying before about when we practice these virtues in order to be spiritually ready to be in the atrium, it also affects all the areas of our life. You know, to me, that's what she's saying with the whole gymnasium of your soul. Like it's something that has to get practiced in order to be become strong, you know, just like, you know, you run and lift weights or whatever in order to be strong, you have to practice, practice, practice in order to master it. And the same thing with the spiritual preparation. These virtues that they are talking about, they must be practiced. And I love that you said to not expect perfection at first, because I think that sometimes we can be so hard on ourselves, but with practice, we can, in the Holy Spirit's guidance, um, we can grow and grow and grow in these virtues in order to be spiritually prepared to be before God and the child. Right. You know, we talk about transformation. Jana over here talks about self-transformation. The adult must take on the work of self-transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we think of that self-transformation as a one-time event. Mm. as opposed to an ongoing effort on our part. Right. And transformation, again, you know, repent and be transformed, you know, repent and believe is what we hear in the Gospels. So the transformation, metanoia, is a Greek word for it, right? Um, Metanoia simply means changing your mind or changing your way, right? Um, it kind of connects to the Hebrew, to Shiva, mm. to turn back to God, 
whether in thought, in in our hearts, in our work, in our all of our actions, right? Um, but it's not just a turning back, it's also a moving forward mm. each day. You know, when we talk about humility and relinquishing control, right? That comes from the development of humility. And again, to go back to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that really mean? It means that we recognize, acknowledge that everything that we have, that we are, is a gift from God, right? That's how we're poor in spirit. Uh, and that is what humility is. And really, Sophia articulated that theology of gift, right? In the atrium, we do so much with gift. Mm -hmm. Everything is gift. And so when we allow that gift, that sense of giftedness to take over, um, we can then be free of wanting to exert control, you know, becoming angry when the child doesn't respond because we don't expect the child to respond a certain right. way, right? right? Again, Father Richard Rohr says, the unbound ones are best prepared to unbind the rest of the world. Mm. It is, it does expand into every aspect of our lives. We cannot say, well, I'll be this, you know, prepared adult in the atrium. And then when I leave the atrium, I can just be myself. Right, right. You know, that doesn't quite work. Right. I think that's probably why a lot of us as adults have become so devoted to the formation and the work because it has transformed who we are in all aspects of who we are, how we are with all children, our own children, our grandchildren, not just the children in the atrium, but then also how we encounter God and hear God. It has, it has changed us. And so I think that right. mm, that's part of the reason why we're so in love with it. Anita, right. would you speak right. into on a practical level, would you give a few tips or a few practical points on what someone should do to spiritually prepare for their time in the atrium or their time before children at all? When I uh, first started level one training, it was actually with Anne Garrido. Mm. And uh, one of the things that she said to us was when you need to prepare yourself, especially when you're having a bad day, go to the atrium early and do some practical life works. Oh, I like that. Because think about what practical life does for the children, mm -hmm. right? That is mindfulness in, in all its glory, right? St. Francis de Sales says, even washing dishes, the most mundane work of our daily lives can be fulfilling God's will. It can bring us close to God. And so, you know, just spooning, just pouring the rice from one little pitcher to another, um, you know, washing hands, those things can be very contemplative in nature. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes that's what I do. I go into the atrium maybe 
an hour before the children have to come in. And I just work through all of my own, you know, wrinkles in the day, if you will. Right. And, you know, the the other image that really helps me is if we imagine our inner selves walking into this this house with several rooms that go out of this hallway. So we're walking down the hallway and the first room, let's say, is um, our relationship with others. Um, the second room is our relationship with God. The third room is how we take ourselves into the world and so on. And so if we go into each of these rooms, our relationship with others, and we see all of these others who are most important to us, those that we work with, our families, our friends, as portraits on the wall and look at each person and say, well, what is my relationship with you? Do I have the need to forgive you or do I need to be forgiven by you? Uh, Where is this relationship? And even then to be gentle with ourselves, right? Um, What have we done well? What do we need to do well? Um, And then to go into the room with our relationship with God and sit there and, and talk with God about, well, where is my relationship with you, Lord? What is it that you need of me today? And each day, it could be the same every day. It could be a little bit different each day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, well, oftentimes, really, <laughs> uh, we're faced with silence, right? Because God says, I'm going to talk to you through someone else today. Go to the next room. It might be a child. It might be someone you encounter uh, at work. Uh, somewhere else. It might be someone you don't know at all, but I'm going to talk to you through someone else and I want you to listen. And so in all of our work, you know, we prepare ourselves by just spending a little time with God, with God's uh, word, Um, much like an examination of conscience, but not exactly. Mm -hmm. Because when we talk about examination of conscience, that implies, well, it, it, it largely has come to imply that there is something wrong right. as opposed to how does God really see us? Mm-hmm. And by extension, how does God see everyone that we come in touch with? So that would be... That would be how I first prepare. That does not mean that when I go into the atrium, I am perfectly ready for all the curveballs that are thrown at me by the child. Mm -hmm. And so it is, again, a moment by moment as I observe, uh, you know, a conversation with God. Okay, so what do I do? You know, Donna gets in her book, Children Who Are Not Yet Peaceful, she describes the situation with a child a crisis situation where she's clear across the room and all of the children are gathered around this child in crisis. And she has this phrase where she says, walk slowly, but think quickly. Hmm. So as you are walking, think about how you are going to deal with this, not as an adult, 
coming from a um oh dear what is the word i'm looking for not from a moralistic point of view mm-hmm. or a corrective point of view but as a constructive adult right how can i deal with this um in a way that will help the child grow into all of her potential right more of an almost inquisitive way of looking at it all right except when there's a crisis moment we don't react that way so that becomes part of our work in the atrium as we present to the child god's word the work that we engage in together in the liturgy we also engage in our own spirituality even in the atrium right mm, man i love this topic i love this topic cuz it taps into just taps into some of the deep spiritualness that is capable for both the adult and the child not i think we speak about the spirituality of the child a lot but this taps into the spirituality of the adult when we enter into the atrium this is a a right. big beautiful topic and in the christian tradition dying to self is very much a, a part of our covenant relationship we cannot be in the fullness of our relationship with god unless we die to ourselves and we see that throughout scriptures and so for me in this moment of everything that we're going through in our world this is this is truly truly an important piece in the work that we do as we bring in racial justice environmental justice and all of the other works towards bringing about a just world so that there can be peace in the world mm-hmm. you know that that we can live into that vision of the parousia that Isaiah gives us in the peaceable kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um and that comes with a with a dying to self. Yeah, comes right back to the humility and pride. Yeah. that we were talking about. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you Anita. Thank you so much for speaking into this beauty with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. So the 2022 journal has already been sent out to all members as one of the benefits of being a member of the United States Association of the Catechists of the Good Shepherd is you get the annual journal mailed to you. And so if you are already a member, you should have already received that journal. If you are not a member and you would like the journal, you can look at our show notes. I put a link there for you to purchase the journal. Now, this journal is such a beautiful way for continual formation. It is great conversation starter. Maybe a group of parents or a group of catechists would like to get together and discuss just one of the articles in the journal. Maybe your coordinator of CGS at your church wants to buy this year's journal for all the catechists so that y'all have that further formation in this work and who God is and who the child is. 
this journal is so great for that. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes for you to access the 2022 journal, which is what this article that Anita wrote is from. In our show notes, I also put some links there that Anita shared with us about articles that she has personally written, but also other readings that you might want to look at to continue to think about the spiritual preparation of the adult. There are many beautiful benefits to being a member of the United States Association of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, and our journal is just one of them. If you would like to learn more about becoming a member or to become a member, I have a link at our show notes for that as well. In case you haven't heard, we also have the audio version of the third edition of The Religious Potential of the Child. So this is accessed through a Podbean premium channel. So there are directions on how to purchase and access the audio version of The Religious Potential of the Child on our website. So I have links to those pages in our show notes that you can step-by-step you how to access the audio version of the book. We're really excited to be able to offer this beautiful text in audio version. If you're anything like me, you absorb in a different way when you listen to something rather than read it. I love to read it, but then when I listen to it, it goes through a different part of my brain and I just love that. So if you would like access to the audio version, check out those show notes to help you access it. This podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. If you would like to become a member or learn more about the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, please go to cgsusa.org. Thank you all for listening. We will see you in two weeks. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.